In my opinion, as well as some of my colleagues, the practitioners I work with, men will end up on testosterone replacement at some point in their life. And the reasons behind this are because the decline in men's testosterone is so profound. Welcome to the show where we help you make smart nutrition simple. If you want proven nutrition strategies to help you build a better body and create the energy to show up for your family without overly restrictive and unrealistic dieting, then you're in the right place. Make sure to subscribe and enjoy this episode. I'm excited to share today's interview with you. In an unprecedented three-peat on the Smart Nutrition Made Simple show, I present to you all-around badass online trainer and nutrition coach, none other than the queen of men's health, Allie Gilbert. In today's episode, we really break down some of the fundamental decisions that men should be thinking about when considering testosterone therapy. The lab-related numbers, the side effects, the logistics of weekly or daily therapeutic use, the limiting factors involved in why we even need to consider testosterone optimization in the first place having to do with our nutrition, our lifestyle, our environment, as well as the most important aspects of any type of lifestyle change regarding committing to the long term and the mindset required to make that shift. It's always fun catching up with Ali, and I'm confident that if you are a man or a woman, you'll find value in this conversation. I hope you enjoy, and let's jump in. Allie Gilbert, welcome back to the Smart Nutrition Made Simple show. What is going on? Dude, I feel honored. I think this is what, my third time? It's your third Second. time? Yeah, I think you are one of the very few. Let's see, Jay Tita has made a three-peat. Hey, honestly, I think that might be it. Listen, I'll take. I'll be tied with Jade. I, he's my boy. I don't mind that at all. If it was like someone I had never heard of, I might be a little bit upset, but I'm okay with that. So <laughs> Mazel Tov there. You know, I'm thrilled to have you back just mostly because I just like to bro chat with you. And I found an overwhelming need, honestly, to have you back on by virtue of a lot of the conversations that I've been having with clients mm -hmm. and me not being the most qualified person to answer those questions. And so naturally enter Allie Gilbert. Now, because you've been on twice before. And so for those of you listening who do not know who Allie Gilbert is, uh, have not listened to any of our previous episodes. Shame. Uh, check out, sh well, yeah, one shame <laughs> on you, but you're going to have to go back into the archives here. Now, I just shared a <laughs> clip from YouTube with Allie from four years ago from our first podcast. And uh, I think we both look like babies, first and foremost. <laughs> I had long hair. <laughs> young, young, novice. Uh, we didn't know shit. <laughs> right. <I'm kidding. laughs> you guys need to go listen to that. I guess, Allie, give us a really quick synopsis of who it is that you are, who you work with. So I've been nicknamed the queen of men's health, which <laughs> I, I just ran with that because I'm like, cool. And I guess that sums things up. Basically, I am a woman who specializes in men's health, and I've been a fitness professional for 23 years and coached people in person for 22 years or so and fell into men's health via golf fitness. And so here we are. That's probably the shortest explanation I have ever given. It's a good explanation. It gets I think, to the point. <laughs> I think one of the reasons that you and I 
get along so well and have such good conversations every time we see each other is like we follow a very similar trajectory. Now, one is we've been in the industry for a comparable amount of time and we've gone through all of the intricacies of, you know, coaching people in person for an arduous period of time and then flipping to the online space, but both truly and independently being experts in our own right. I'll, I'll absolutely uh, give credit where credit is due and having done our due diligence to truly become an expert by virtue of continuing education. Now, you're the only person that I know that is as uh, driven to continue learning uh, year after year as I am. And, and I'll even say that you more so than me at this stage in the game as we toggle the nuances of both continuing education as well as running a business and then life in general. And so I want to applaud you for that, but it really lends itself to just your commitment level to the industry and to being the best at what it is that you do. And, and you, you really are like the queen of men's health, hence, you know, us having this conversation. So oh, I um, appreciate that. And so with that said, I, I alluded to, you know, that video that I sent you okay. from four years ago, you've undergone a significant transformation yourself over the last four years. I, I'd love to you to speak to that and and kind of what the journey's been like for you from from then until now. I can't believe that was only four years ago. It feels like so much longer. Right. <laughs> Probably because the the photo I used was from like I had to, I think it was 2016. That shows you professionally. I had like no headshots either four years ago. So yeah, I think uh, I'm coming up on year five working with Luke Lehman, who you know as well. And um, it was like early 2018 where I was just basically sick of trying to do things myself from a program standpoint and health standpoint, like being a coach and having a coach. I think a lot of coaches are like, but you know what you're doing. And like, I already know what I'm doing. Like, why would I need somebody else? But it's because you know what you're doing that you need someone else because you overthink everything, right. especially as a woman you step on the scale and it's like, actually my guys do this too, where you're like, oh, I don't like what this says today. So I'm just going to change everything that I've done this past two weeks and start a new program and then start right. a new diet and just throw everything out the fucking window just because it doesn't work that day. You know how that is. I do. So knee-jerk reactions are just not a path to success. So I decided I needed somebody who had that objective view but who has proven consistently over and over to do this for others. And what this is means I wanted to look like Dana Lynn Bailey. For those of you who don't know who she is, she is a former physique competitor and she is hilarious. So I also have to strive to be funnier, but Luke can't help me with that. He's not that funny. So she's got these massive shoulders that I was like in love with because I played soccer. We didn't do any lower or mm. upper body stuff. And had a six pack and just incredible legs. And I was like, I want to look, I want to basically walk around looking like I'm, you know, eight to 10 weeks out from something. I don't know what, but something. So that took almost five years, which I think is an important thing to keep reiterating because people see photos of me when I've done photo shoots this year. And they think I walk around like that all the time. And I right. wish I did, but I do now walk around six to eight weeks out from that. Yeah. And man, it's such a good point that you make around the time and the intensity and the commitment level 
because you've been intensely focused on making this, we'll call it transformation for lack of a better term, but intensely focused on this for years. And I think it really lends itself to just the time and energy that it takes to make these levels of transformations and truly the commitment level and what we typically see and what we think we should be experiencing and what our clients, oftentimes we have these conversations every day is with clients around their expectations are so much more skewed in terms of quick results, right? Oh yeah. I, I knew I was in for the long haul. And it also was long because like shortly after I started coaching with him, I got engaged and I was like, I want to treat this wedding prep <laughs> as, as a competition prep. But then when COVID came, we had to move the wedding four times. So it became this like continuous dieting phase. Ah, nope. Put on the brakes, pull out of it for a few weeks, see, all right, what's the next wedding date? Diet again. And so it was like this tug of war that became, I don't know, I dieted for like two years, but I didn't diet the way uh, traditionally our, many of our clients do where they just slash calories forever continuously. Um, it was just staying in a dieting phase longer than I probably should have been. However, we really had no choice. And so that kind of catapulted into, damn, I really love how I looked. And Luke brought me to a point for my wedding that was the way I wanted to look, which I never in a million years thought was possible. But it was still, I don't want to say far, but it was it was away from what I wanted the end goal to be. And we did that on purpose because for anyone who has ever dieted very hard, you are not necessarily the most fun person to be around. So when it's your wedding week, you don't want to be that grumpy, hungry person. So we only brought it to a certain level. Mm -hmm. And then after he's like, we should do a photo shoot or something, you know? So I came out and we went back to maintenance calories for a while and then dieted for a shoot in March. And then I did not diet at all up until I think it was like August, this past August. So just three months alone of bringing my calories up, purposely putting on 11 pounds, which I documented over social media to show people you don't become sloppy. You don't like explode into, you know, hundreds of pounds and gobs of fat. I still kept my shape. My abs were still visible, but you fill out differently when you're weight training and you just right. eat more, but you can't put muscle on unless you actually eat. So I was right. like, yo, green light, let's go. Let's put, you know, get me to 65 kilos. And I, I think I came out of my last shoot at around 58 kilos. So I got up to 65 and I was like, I could do this. Let's go to 69 kilos next. And that's what we've been trying to get to. And I woke up today at 59 and I'm like, um, yeah, I've never been a hard gainer. So I was like, I get it. I got to keep eating because we're 10 kilos away. I mean, that's like 20 pounds for people. Right. That's significant. Yeah. Luke calls it freedom units. So using freedom units. So that that was uh, very eye opening as to the fact that I can gain that much, be okay with it, be comfortable with it, and just realize this only gets easier the more times that right. you do that and the right. more times that you realize, hey, that weight will actually come off. It's okay. Yeah. It's profound to really think about the big picture in the long term process. And that's definitely something that we work with clients to really try and instill is like, you know, to be fair, like most of our clients commit to a year right out of the gate, mm -hmm. which feels like a lot 
for people, right. especially coming from 30 day, three month, you know, 12 week quick fix plans of like, yeah, you're going to shred fat in 12 weeks, blah, blah, blah. When you and I both know, yeah, you might, you know, shred fat and then you're going to gain it all back and then some, and you're going to lose a lot of muscle mass in the process and you're going to be miserable and you're not going to change your behaviors whatsoever. Instead to thinking about, okay, well, what can I truly commit to in a year? And maybe that first year is really just some pretty significant fat loss and improving your skills and behaviors along the way. Whereas originally they thought, I'm going to get lean, I'm going to put on muscle mass, I'm going to completely change my physique. And unfortunately, that's just not the way that things work, especially for guys, women and men that, you know, are the type of people that we work with, especially being, you know, let's just say 35 to 55 years old, having high stress lifestyles and, you know, commitments and responsibilities, perhaps not having a history of strength training. And so it's really reframing the mindset around what's required in order to make these long-term changes and then truly determining like, is this something that you really want, right? That's why I try to manage expectations as best I can. I think a lot of it comes down to that. Cause like you said, when you say one year, that is like an eternity for somebody who's like, yeah, but I just want to lose a little bit of fat. Right. Okay. But also if you're saying you want to look a certain way, I'll ask people, what, what does that way look like? Send me a photo of, you know, either your past self, a celebrity, somebody that emulates the body that you're striving for. Right. Because that gives me an idea of what the commitment level is. So if, as we've said before, if you want to look dick skin lean, Luke's term, that requires a massive commitment dietarily wise and in the gym. But if you just want some vi visible abs, then listen, it's really not as strict and complicated. I mean, it is pretty easy to drop body fat, but when you want to, like you said, transform and develop a certain look that will take years. Yeah. I knew I would not look like DLB in one year, right? but damn, when I look at like the size that we've created, I'm like the same weight as when I started with Luke, which is roughly 130, 135 pounds, but I am completely different looking. Yeah. It is baffling, but it's hilarious because, you know, many of our clients are like, I need to lose 20 pounds. And I'm like, why? Right. Why that number? Why do you have to get to 200? Why Why is that the goal? And it's usually an emotional attachment to where they were before, how they felt, and what was going on in their life at that weight. So I'm like, cool, if I can get you to 215, but you've got a 12 pack, would you be okay with that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and that's awesome too, because it helps shift the narrative in people's mind around moving away from obviously scale weight as an indicator of progress and instead looking at body composition change, really relishing the strength training process, which I want to get into and the value of lean muscle tissue. And then like, like we said, all of the nuances that, that come in between. And so one of the, the main reasons that I wanted to have this conversation is, is I'm working with a lot of men who are, let's just say, you know, 40 to 45 years old and they're in a position in their life where they are mastering all elements of their life, right? Business mm -hmm. and family and marriage, and they're crushing on all levels except the one low-hanging fruit, limiting factors, their own body composition. They haven't been able to figure out what they need to do in order to truly take control and be the master of their own domain, right? 
And I know this is the population that you work with as well. And some of the conversations that we ha are having revolve around obviously testosterone optimization, if and when it's necessary, how we leverage it, best practices. And so what I'd love to do is, is just touch on all of those things with you. And I think it's relevant to first start with if and when in your experience, should we be looking at testosterone as a therapeutic adjunct to nutrition, lifestyle training? I've been very vocal about saying in in my all my live lectures and on many podcasts that in my opinion, as well as some of my colleagues, the practitioners I work with, men will end up on testosterone replacement at some point in their life. And the reasons behind this are because the decline in men's testosterone is so profound. It's about 1% per year ever since like the late seventies, early eighties. So it's roughly over 40%, um, in the past few decades. And that's crazy and very, very rapid. Plus a lot of what, um, contributes to that are, is our state of health in the United States, meaning obesity, inflammation, insulin resistance, diabetes. Like we can probably all agree that our health care and our health are really not the best in the US. So the bigger people get, the more everything acclimates, meaning the more normalized it becomes from sizes and clothing to just talking about it in language and social narratives and stuff like that. But inevitably, I think men will end up on testosterone because they feel so good when they go on it. And the reason a lot of them either shy away from it or are very timid about it is numerous reasons. But the biggest ones with my guys, when it comes to the discussions I have is number one, they feel defeated. They feel like they're giving in that this is something that they just can't control. Men are very competitive. They don't go to the doctor ever. So to just even go to a doctor and actually, you don't even have to go to a doctor to get your labs done now. But but to even have that discussion with a doctor is a massive, massive step for them. So in their mind, they're like, I'm admitting defeat. I'm succumbing to something that I can't control. That is a lot for a guy to take, especially if he's tried very, very hard like you and I have with them naturally to get this optimized. So naturally means through nutrition, through training, through sleep, through all the lifestyle habits. The problem is we're not winning the war against all the other environmental onslaught and mm -hmm. decline in testosterone. And so the big reason for them shying away from that, number one, I think is the ego. I don't know if you experience that with guys too. Yeah, I think it's a hundred percent relevant. And the thing that I experience, Allie, is that where's the tipping point between truly being able to affect testosterone levels and hormone optimization with lifestyle and the flexibility and freedom that we all want to be able to have in this day and age? Mm -hmm. Right. Because we're just, we're going to be bombarded with things that we can't control. Of course there's still a lot of things within our control. And so it's it's sort of the discrepancy between, well, 
you know, you're not sleeping enough, you're still drinking alcohol, you're not effectively managing your calories, you're not strength training consistently enough. And so where do you define an appropriate and or how do you work with men to determine sort of that that tipping point? I like that question because I do have guys who who are intrigued by it. Usually people, when they come to me for coaching, they kind of know what they're getting into based on a podcast like this, or maybe they've seen my social. So they know the conversation will surround testosterone, or maybe that's why they seek me out. And a lot of guys will say, I think I need to go there. I'm not sure I need to yet. How can we optimize everything before we you know, cross that bridge? So there's various rabbit holes that people can go down and there's various levels of commitment to controlling things that you can in your environment. I, I tell guys because guys are, are great with structure and specific things to do. If you're going to do anything when it comes to changing your environment, switch out what you use in plastic for stainless steel or glass and take care of anything you put on your body every single day, whether it's shampoo, lotion, makeup, whatever it is, make sure it's a product that does not have things called phthalates or parabens or things that are going to mess with your own hormone. Just like in plastic, xenoestrogens, they're all called endocrine disrupting chemicals. They basically attach to receptors in your body and act like hormones, but they're 10 times more powerful and they're way more destructive. So we don't want that in our bodies. But there's really no way to avoid it forever unless you want to live on a remote island. Right. You know, like Survivor. So that is usually the beginning of what I'll encourage them to do. Some guys go as far to change their showerhead filter, the water system in their entire house, um, which I think water filters are great. But when it comes to household, like that's a commitment. Yep. Um, eliminating EMFs from their bedroom and only eating certain types of food, never, you know, going into environments that are like, I guess, chemically, which is not necessarily a scientific term, but a chemically environment, <laughs> like a concert, or you're going to a movie theater and then you're sitting on, you know, fabric on the seats that contains EDCs. Like, it's just crazy that the amount that we cannot avoid it. I mean, when you're born, if you're born in a hospital, you're on a tube that's plastic. Like there's literally no avoiding any of these. So let's control what we can. So you can control that. You can switch out your Tupperware and you can control what's on your body. Cool. Let's start there. Then everything else, as far as uh, getting your sleep optimized and your training and your nutrition, let's look at that because that is a massive commitment. It's a lot easier, of course, to take pills, but that really comes last. What are we doing in our everyday life? Like you said, alcohol and sleep, because people kind of poo-poo that and moving. Like walking has exploded since COVID, but also people really don't move enough. They think if I go to the gym like two to three days a week and maybe go for like a 10 minute walk, that's enough. I'm sorry. I am really sorry. I am not the person that's like, hey, you can train a half hour a week and make gains. You really can't, especially if you want to look a certain way. If you want to drop body fat, we know that that's mostly diet. Everyone will respond to diet. Not everyone responds to just exercise. So you do need both, but you need both for health reasons. And so right. you you have to absolutely get all of that in check because if you go into testosterone, you're going to have to do that anyway. 
you know? So yeah, it's we not a panacea. Well. No, no. Those are all super valid points. And I can definitely imagine, you know, men and women listening to this episode, feeling overwhelmed by the thought of like changing out all of the Tupperware that they use and never microwaving food and completely changing out all of the hygiene products that they use, which I, by the way, I don't think is unreasonable. Like if that's something that can make a change and you're right, we are heavily exposed to plastics. There was just an article that came out on microplastics and how it's literally permeating every aspect of our environment, the air that we breathe, you know, like you just can't get away from it. So it is what it is. Uh, so doing your diligence there, but also, uh, like I said, feeling like, well, how do I still quote unquote live my life while still trying to optimize all of these things? How much of a role does alcohol play in the both fat loss and muscle gain process? It can really be destructive and lengthen the process. You know, everyone says like, oh, everything in moderation, I need to live, blah, blah, blah. And the, the point that I like to make is this. Absolutely, you should have a good time, but also just realize that there are ramifications to your choices. So that also depends on what the level of commitment that you're in is. So again, if you want a 12 pack, probably better off not drinking at all. You know, I'm sorry to say, but if you are training and eating in the way that it will take you to a 12 pack, if you drink, you're not going to feel good. Right. <laughs> I mean, just in that process alone, it's not going to feel good. So you're going to realize it's going to set you back. There are people that, that are a lot more uh, lenient with it. And I have a lot of clients that drink because I have a lot of guys that have social events for work and we have to navigate that. But it comes with the understanding of, Anything that you're expecting fat loss wise just might take a little bit longer. You're okay with that? Cool. All right, let's proceed. So 100%. personally, I used to, I used to party every weekend. Oh my God. I would be like three, four, five vodkas. Like that was my thing. Some other party substances with that. Cool. Like that was my thing. And I felt great. I don't know how I was able to go to work the next week, but you know what? As my priorities changed, my physique priorities changed, all of that. I was like, yeah, I don't feel so good. You know, right. profes professionally, you just want to be on the ball. So there are people that can have one drink and then they're fine. I'm just not that person. Right. <laughs> no, I mean, and then the more, I don't know, stringent you are with it, the better you feel, the more that you include it, the worse that you feel. So it almost, it becomes a process of just slowly eliminating it to the degree that you can. And I think the hardest thing is just helping people acknowledge that. But like you said, the more that you're going to drink, the more it's going to slow down your progress. Plain and simple, be it fat loss, be it muscle gain. I, I think in my mind, especially muscle gain because of the hormonal requirements, especially as we age. Hey friends, quick pause in this episode for an exciting announcement. I'm thrilled to let you know that we've officially partnered with Fullscript to create our own very high-end quality supplement store. Fullscript is the number one online dispensary for professional-grade supplements. And while we do have our own small retail shop for our Complete Essentials training formula, we're often asked for recommendations when it comes to products outside of those that we carry. Now, as you probably have realized, the internet is the Wild West when it comes to supplements, and it's tough to find many of the best products from a reliable source and at an affordable price. 
I've heard many stories of people ordering something off Amazon and receive something completely different in the bottle, which can actually be quite dangerous when it comes to nutritional supplements. And so in the BSL Nutrition Full Script Dispensary, we've hand-selected a few dozen of our personal favorites, and we've broken them into easily searchable categories, including Ben's favorites. Now the best part of this situation is that due to the buying power of groups, we're able to get you a 15% off retail pricing on the entire catalog of professional products in our shop. These are brands like Designs for Health, Biotics, Research, Biobotanical Research, Microbiome Labs, Seeking Health, and more. So just click on the Join BSL Nutrition Supplement Shop in the show notes to create your free account and place your first order. Orders over $50 receive free shipping on top of our 15% discount on everything. And just so you know, the criteria we use to determine what went into the shop is, is the product something we would recommend and or take ourselves and give to our kids? Is the product of the highest quality? And can we provide a lower cost than is available anywhere else on the web? Now, we sincerely hope this helps you save money and acquire the highest quality products for you and your family. And let's get back to the show. I, I want to stay on the topic of testosterone for a moment. So how do we decide? So let's just say we're considering it. What are we looking at? And maybe briefly talk to, you know, just from a lab standpoint of total testosterone, free testosterone, like what we should be looking for from a quote unquote optimization standpoint. Before there, there's like a pre-TRT list of um lab markers that you'd want to get, which include total testosterone, free testosterone, luteinizing hormone, and follicle stimulating hormone. Those are going to be indicative or reflective of like what type of hypogonadism you might have, which means basically your body's just not working in the way that it should. So like if, if LH luteinizing hormone is very high, that means basically your balls have died. So they're not producing testosterone endogenously or it's suppressed somehow. And if both of them are high, and also maybe somebody has had trauma to the testicles, that can also affect somebody's ability to produce testosterone. Or if somebody's had trauma to the brain, like a TBI, a concussion, right. or they're in the military, a lot of that will affect the pituitary and the pituitary's ability to basically talk to your testicles and say, yo, boys, I need you to produce testosterone so we can like live our life. And if that signal is broken, then we're probably looking at going on hormone replacement. So the testosterone range has significantly changed over the course of the years. Um, and I usually have a slide for this that shows like how it started at 350 to like 1100. And over the course of, I would say since 2017 is when LabCorp first reduced their range that has come down to now I've seen the lowest was bioreference at like 180 something. And then that the high end of the range was like 800 something. So 800 is probably the low end of like our grandfather's range. Like that's mm. how bad Crazy. it's gotten. Yeah. So getting a total, like, I think a lot of guys put too much into that because they're like, you know, Oh, my total T it's like, it's not your bench press number. Like it doesn't matter as much as they think. So if it's under 500 in the medical world, usually that's suboptimal. But if you're going by what insurance will accept, you have to be under 300 twice in a row in mm. order to be considered 
uh, qualifying for TRT. So that's a whole nother discussion and not going through insurance. But this is how arbitrary this range is because it's not just everyone in America who is fit and you know looks like Ben Brown. It's everyone in America who is fit and sick and overweight and inflamed and all of this. So you're being thrown in to everybody in America, the average of the testosterone levels. And that's why it keeps coming down because we keep getting sicker as a nation. So therefore, let's lower that standard deviation to make it more difficult for guys. And that's only one piece of it, because I always tell guys, listen, your test could be 700. If you don't feel good, that still could be something that warrants you go on testosterone. And it's not even just the total. There's the free testosterone, which is the one that your body is actually able to use. That matters too. And that usually is pretty uh, low because it gets bound up in sex hormone binding globulin, as well as albumin due to EDCs, environmental state, obesity, stuff like that, or just, you know, super low carb diets, you know, the whole keto phase, like there's so many things that can affect it. But bottom line is that if you have symptoms, if you're lethargic, if you have really low energy, the biggest one is brain fog. Um, I I should make the point, like a lot of guys think my testosterone is fine because my dick still works. And Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean anything like you could have erections all day, every day and still have low testosterone. And I think because some guys are like, well, I'm still able to have sex. That's great, but you still might suffer from low T. So your boner is not the only reason that you want to look at testosterone replacement because it does have other benefits. It's neuroprotective. It's cardioprotective. Like it helps lower inflammation. It helps uh, control blood sugar. So if you experience symptoms that were related to those, like I said, you know, being lethargic and low motivation in the brain fog um, and being, you know, even overweight, um, just super tired and not themselves, then that can still be reflective of low T regardless of what your total number is on labs. It's super helpful to hear you talk about that because I think it's very relevant. What's the the, the optimal ranges for free and what's the ratio that we should be looking for between total and free? So the, the total, like you would want, I would say over 500 is considered like that's the, the land where most people would feel best. And then free, the, there's many different um, units of measurement. And I have not mes- memorized like the picograms and the, uh, the standard units for European and all that stuff. But in America, like around 30, 35 is usually where guys will feel best. So there are times where, again, if you're with a a practitioner who maybe is not evolved, we'll see those numbers high because it's going to be off the charts if you're on TRT, right? Oh, you're, you're free T and your testosterone's too high. And that, again, that's very similar to your natural levels before. Okay. But if you feel good, why does that matter? Right. You know, so And that brings me back to like one of the reasons why men shy away from it. First reason being they feel defeated. But the second reason is because of the stigmas. Social stigmas are huge, but also the media, it causes heart attacks and prostate cancer. And so they're scared off of it because they think too high T or, you know, going on replacement is going to cause all these things that are scary and no one likes scary things. And you don't want to go to a doc, like literally 
It takes a lot for a man to go to a doctor. So for him to go to a doctor and be told that's going to give you cancer, like he's out. Yeah, he's out. So we are doing everything that we can to uh, optimize testosterone in the absence of therapeutic testosterone usage. And we're, you know, working on leaning out, or maybe we're working on building lean muscle tissue and things aren't going as expeditiously as we want. We're not getting as lean as we want, or we're just having a really hard time putting on uh, lean muscle mass. And we're doing all of the things, at least within reason of what we're willing to do. We get some blood work done. We see that testosterone levels are suboptimal, in which case, what would you typically recommend as the best course of action if someone is willing to look into therapeutic testosterone replacement? Message me because <laughs> I don't want you to end up with a practitioner that has not evolved. So that's exactly where I was going with this. Okay. <laughs> One of the problems that I'm having is we've got uh, an influx of quote unquote health practitioners. So what be it, you know, whatever physicians, uh, hormone clinics popping up on every corner that are prescribing and treating, but I'm seeing a massive disconnect between just prescribing and treating and effective or helpful ongoing, you know, support for guys that are ready and willing to go down this road from pellets to once every two week injections to you know creams to just no communication whatsoever and le left to their own devices to estrogen blockers and i i realize i just threw out a lot of of things but <laughs> I, I guess what should we be looking for in terms of best practices for a practitioner to be able to offer the type of support that someone needs to mm -hmm. do this in a right way for them. I will preface this with, I've spent, I think the majority of my, I'll call it my life's work because men's health is my life's work. I have been through many practitioners. And what that means is I have taken myself or, or a man, if they only work with man, through the process through many different types of practitioners to figure out how they handle uh, men with low T, what they prescribe, how they go about it, spent thousands of dollars. So you guys do not have to. Um, I have a very close knit, trusted group of practitioners that I share clients with and I share clients with all of them. So I will, I will start off with do not, no matter what you do, do not go to your primary or your GP or anybody who is based off insurance or who does not only specifically deal with TRT or hormone optimization. And the reason being is that the same reason I said earlier with the blood work, you will have to qualify for TRT. And that means having your total come under this arbitrary number that means nothing. And then you're restricted by all the things that insurance wants you to be restricted by. It's a nightmare. Then your protocol is going to be given by somebody who does not do this all day, every day. We love GPs. We need GPs. But again, I would never take on a client who is pregnant or postpartum because that's not my jam. And I'm not right. going to pretend to know what I'm doing. So 
the the best analogy that I could use when it comes to practitioners that our audience will understand is very similar to fitness professionals. Why would somebody hire you and I over a 22-year-old trainer at a Globo gym? You and I were once that trainer. I would say the level of service that we provided is way different than what we can do now for somebody. Right. We we wouldn't think that at the time, but like, you know, it's obviously vastly different. So there's a reason for that. The price is different, everything. So you're going to pay out of pocket, but it's going to save you thousands in time and money. And one of my clients actually texted me this today. He said, the the way that you navigate this for us guys helps save so much frustration and time in going from multiple different doctors and offices because we don't pay in just money. We can pay in time. And it's annoying when you have to go to a doctor, they tell you something that not only do you not want to hear, but that doesn't help you. Then you have to go somewhere else and get in and make an appointment and then wait and all that, blah, blah, blah. You don't have to do any of that when you go outside of insurance. Right. So as long as somebody's prepared to do that, cool. We call these clients invested improvers. Right? These, are, these are clients that are willing to pay for expertise to save right. them time, money, and energy on the back end. We totally get that. It's the same reason why you and I have coaches and have always had coaches and mentors. It's because we want to learn from the best and we want to learn from people who have been there before and made the mistakes so that we don't have to. Right. And same reason we hire a lawyer or financial you know, planner or a plumber for that matter, right? It's like, we're just not going to waste time doing that shit by ourselves. At least I hope not if you value <laughs> your time and your worth, which most of our clients do. Now, with that said, I, I just want to talk briefly about best practices when it comes yep. to, in your experience, testosterone optimization. So let's say we do get with a practitioner and and they prescribe TRT. What have you observed are best practices in terms of the type of dosing, frequency, ongoing support and care, and what we should be looking for throughout? If somebody puts you on just testosterone, that's a good sign. A lot of these clinics, especially here in Florida, where they're like next to the gas station and five minutes away and all that. Right. If they're, you're just on testosterone, that's a great thing because you're not given the cookie cutter protocol, which is like three different things. And then you're sent on your way. Testosterone via injection or cream only because you mentioned pellets earlier. So because testosterone is something we produce in our bodies, you cannot patent a hormone. So you have to create all these other delivery methods that you can capitalize on. So they can charge a lot of money for a pellet. I trained a doctor who used to do them. It, it was like a CrossFit certification. It was like a two-day thing. And he's like, yeah, I can do pellets now. And I can charge $800. And I'm like, how long does it take you to do that? He's like 15 minutes. Just like, oh my gosh. Right. So the problem with the pellets is that it, it's invasive. It's like a Tic Tac size thing that gets inserted into the glue and you can't train for like a week or whatever. But the release pattern of the testosterone, it's like so unpredictable because it's different for you than right. it is for somebody else. So you may feel great and then crash. And most people feel good for like three months. And then they're like, yeah, I'm totally all over the place. Right. So you can't go in and change the doses dosage, but you can do that instantaneously with an injection. Subcutaneous or intramuscular? It honestly does not matter. Okay. It, yeah. It, and, there's so much debate over that, that I'm like, whatever you want to do. Cool. Love it. And then what have you observed is in terms of frequency? So at least minimum two times a week. 
Yep. So the antiquated protocols are, you know, once a week or once every 12 days, or, you know, if it's longer than that, please run far away from whoever the practitioner is. Um, because you, you want to like align it with your own body's release pattern. And I get it. Not everyone wants to stick themselves every single day or more than twice a week. Most guys at most clinics with what my practitioners tell me are doing twice a week and they feel great. How frequently sh- should we be getting retested? So your practitioner should reach out within six to eight weeks to do follow-up labs. And then I think it's maybe once or twice a year after that, you know, based on symptoms. Like if if you're feeling a certain way and then you, you call, you should be able to discuss, maybe you need to change your dosage. So that's not no, that's not abnormal for a man to want to change or need to change his dosage after three to six months, possibly. So there is like a honeymoon phase and then it kind of levels off. Um, but it's more, your body's adapting to an influx of hormones. It hasn't had for however long. So there's this process that your body goes through and, and changes that you'll experience. And most guys, most guys will say like, they come back to me and they're like, Oh my God, I can make a clear decision for the first time in forever. Like just the ability to like decide something. It's like, it's weird. It's like you give them superpowers because they would feel like they're pushing their thoughts through mud for so long at work and with their family and all that. And that and the sleep and then boom, automatically it'll help augment recovery. And when you can do that, you can lift more in the gym, you can eat more, and then you can get more jacked. And tan. And tan. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If you work uh, with me, I, I force you to either spray tan or uh, get peptides to make you tan. <laughs> <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> what about how, how do you feel about the adjunct of peptide therapy with hormone optimization? Because I'm seeing a lot that the two are going hand in hand. And I think it's providing some confusion around where we start. Do we go with all of them? Uh, do we go with just peptides? And so what's your experience or, or observations or thoughts around that? It, it's overwhelming because there are so many of them, right? So it's like what, whatever they're attached to doing or say they do, it's like you walk in a vitamin shop and you're like, why would I not take everything they have? Like, right. You know, Cause it, if it's going to benefit me. So I will say that I don't, I'm not sold on all of them working and I've tried a lot of them. But the ones that I think do help are the growth hormone. Um, yeah, like sermorelin, ipamorelin. Ipamorelin specifically, yeah. as well as CJC. They've helped tremendously with guys' sleep, with recovery from any injuries, stuff like that. I think that's definitely helpful. It, the problem lies in when they're oversold a bunch that they don't need just because the markup can be really high. So there's tons that are like, oh, this is a fat loss and this does this and this does that. And it's like, all right, calm down. If a client needs it, I will let you know. I will help facilitate that. But if they have trouble sleeping, there are definitely ones that are going to help with that. But, you're, you know, if a guy has never injected himself before and now you're asking him to not only inject himself at least twice a week with testosterone, but most of these peptides are daily, that could be a lot for him to take. Yeah. You know, so my stance on that is the less, the better. It's kind of like a supplement where it's, you know, you can take too many. Absolutely. But I think a lot of them are oversold and overhyped. 
at least for now. And they're also, some of them are just being taken away because the FDA is like, yeah, no, nah, this works. Well, because they must be beneficial then. <laughs> so that's super helpful. Uh, I, I really wanted to give our listeners the opportunity to wrap their head around some of these things just from a high level. Of course, we could get into the weeds of talking about individualized nutrition and training, but because obviously those are of, of utmost importance above and beyond those things is if and when we do need additional support, how, how we should be looking at it. And I think it's helpful for us to think about that way. And, and, and so, you know, what about with respect to improving lean muscle mass? What's your experience been with men? Let's just say, you know, whatever, 35 to, to 45 to 50 ish that are actively trying to put on muscle mass. I think you can agree with me what a difficult thing that is. And so how would you think about approaching that scenario? So the conversation that I have with most guys, and because this occurs in, um, there's a, a big TRT forum that I'm, I'm a moderator in on Facebook. And a lot of guys will go on TRT and then they're like, it's been three months, you know, why have I not exploded into muscles? And I'm like, interesting. I wish it did that. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. So there, there's the vision that they think that all of a sudden their muscles will appear and you still need to do the work in the gym. I will say, you know, it does help you recover and it will help with insulin sensitivity so that you may not be as inflamed if you don't tolerate carbohydrates very well. You'll actually be able to eat a lot more, but it helps increase muscle protein synthesis, which is going to help grow your muscles. So if you're lifting and you're, you know, you're training hard, then over time, you should be able to increase your muscle mass, but it's not going to be bodybuilder-esque what most guys envision too, because again, bodybuilders are on massive doses of testosterone and other agents that are supposed to make them look that way in combination with them training for like, you know, 20 years plus. Years. And even bodybuilders are only putting on what, eight pounds a year, if that, yeah. I mean, that was like Ronnie Coleman, like the most. And, and naturals, like naturals can put on 12 to 13 pounds a year, I think would be a good amount. You know, if you're new to this, yeah, and I'd be going to put that on. I feel and that's like, generous. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially for factoring in like alcohol intake, lifestyle, stress, 100%. training intensity, totally. But I think where guys get frustrated, which is it, it makes me laugh because women are like, it's like a known thing with women, but with guys, they've they've lost body fat before, right? Everyone's gone through the the yo-yo cycle. They see how quick it it is to lose body fat. So they expect that with muscle. And it's obviously at like a sloth-like pace compared to fat mm. loss. But as soon as they lose the body fat, then they're like, oh, I'm not as ripped as I think I was, or I thought I was. So I feel small. Right. And this is every man's story. And they're like, oh my God, that's so true. And, and so then they're like, well, now I have to gain muscle. And so then it comes the conversation that we usually have with women how eating is not scary, how you have to eat to grow, how, you know, lifting and, and adding muscle mass takes years of consistency over time. So what I do is I will let my guys lose body fat. Granted, if you're like 25% body fat or more as a man, 
absolutely we're going to be dropping body fat first before we go into more of a building stage, you know, Absolutely. but a lot of my guys are like between 20 and 25. And so I'll let them drop a little bit, but then I will slam them with more calories and have them get over that scariness. Cause then once you get through this, and this is like the hardest thing to explain to somebody, like once you get through that uncomfortable period where you might not feel amazing, you may feel puffy or watery or whatever, but you don't look as bad as you think. Like if you look at what you look like, you still have muscle, you still have shape and structure. Once you get through that, and then you're able to bring someone's calories down just a little bit, and then they drop body fat, way more easier than they did before. Then they're like, oh my God, this works. Right. And then we have guys dieting on like 1900 to 2100 calories instead of like the 1800 to 1600 right. that every man has tried, but they won't talk about. You're going to have to get leaner than you think, mm -hmm. right? Um, in order to see the definition that you said that you want and commit to that process and be okay feeling small or skinny, especially with the first dieting phase. Yes. So that we can then spend a considerable amount of time, and it's going to be considerable, taking the time to truly build you up and try and put on some considerable amount of lean muscle tissue. And it's going to take, you know, six months of, of dedicated work, you know, towards that process. And navigating all of the roadblocks that fall in between the kids' spring break and summer and your work stressors and travel and honey, yep. you know, well, like this is where you can now start to look at this as like, okay, I can see how one year in the grand scheme of things isn't that big of a deal. So that then the second time we, and there's periods of course, maintenance in between, and this is what we call in our coaching practice, the nutrition seasons, because obviously it's this undulating approach to dieting practices, maintenance. Sometimes there's performance goals, muscle mass goals of just toggling between these so that then the next time you diet down, okay, you've got a little more shape. You're able to, to get leaner. When you do get lean, you can see that you have more muscle mass and definition, right? And it's, this is, this is the process. This is the process. Yeah. When you, when you position it like that, when you re truly realize like how long it takes to bring somebody's calories up, to keep them there for a little bit, and then to transition, that is like minimum a year. And the cool part with guys is when they do drop body fat, it same with women, it exposes the body parts that maybe don't have as much size to them as they want. Like, oh shit, my delts are a little bit smaller than I thought guess what? That is good because now we know what to focus on in the training program. Instead of feeling like, yeah, I got a lot of size in my arms, you know, and that was body fat. And then to find out that that was body fat and it's like, Hey, we could actually add size back right. on your arms strategically as you grow to build muscle, because you're not getting, you're not going to be overeating and getting uh, bigger yeah. body fat wise. And that's the most fun in my mind aspect of this process. 100%. is to say, listen, this is, let's just acknowledge that this is a never ending process. So if you're going to do this the right way, you need to figure out a way to fall in love with the journey. Like you better love training and find a way of training that fits best for you and your lifestyle. And you better like to train if you want to be able to support lean muscle tissue. And by the way, if you want to live a long time, you better fall in love with training as well and, and being able to have 
an appreciable amount of lean muscle mass because we know very clearly that's linked to longevity. But then to have and be empowered to, you know, look at your year, year after year and say, okay, like, just like I plan in my business, just like I plan with our family travel, I can also plan out my phases of training and say, okay, this is the best period of time for me to diet down. Maybe January, we're coming up on January 1st through spring break. I'm going to hit it hard. We're going to diet. We're going to shed some body fat. I'm going to ease up over, you know, spring break with the kids. And then maybe we'll spend the rest of the year in a slow and steady mass gaining, you know, phase, something like that, or have periods of dieting and maintenance. But, you know, being empowered to, to look at it that way and then say, over this year, here's what I really want to focus on. I want to hit a new low in terms of body comp, but I don't need to stay there for very long. I'll get some pictures, get out of there. And the more you do this and the leaner that you get, the, the leaner you're going to stay and the more flexibility and freedom you have through the process. 100%. It's like, it gets so much easier and it's so much more, I mean- listen, like I am not a purist fitness person. I eat artificial sweeteners. I love burgers. Like, you know, I'll eat cereal. Like it, it becomes fun and you get, you don't have, I think a lot of people think you just have to eat chicken, rice and broccoli. I think right. I'd rather, you know, drink bleach and poke my eyes out. I mean, right. God, ugh. if you, if that's the way you have to live, you can do it with a very flexible approach. Um, you know, obviously when you want to get like single digit, then yeah, we may have to make some changes, but other than that, it, it's like, you can eat what you want. It is so much fun. I have, I think it's five of my guys now on Instagram compete with who can eat the most carbs in one sitting. Cause they're all above 400 grams of carbs. And these are all guys that came to me eating like a hundred grams of carbs. Right. Yeah. And it's, it. it's amazing. And one of my girls jumps in with it because she's trying to build muscle too. And I'm like, when does this ever happen that your clients are like in the carb wars and tagging each other? And like, it's hilarious that they do that because guys get scared too. Like I've had so many guys, you just got to transition that carbs are demonized. And it's like, yo, if you want to be jacked, you have to eat. So tell us about your annual summit, mm -hmm. uh, when it is this in, in 2023 and tell us what like because I know it was your first one. So congrats there. But like, what was your biggest takeaway from the weekend? So for context, um, the group I moderate in on Facebook has some practitioners that are also admins and moderators. And it's linked to a YouTube channel that has over 60,000 subscribers. So all the practitioners and myself included have done videos for this group and it's free. It's TRT and Hormone Optimization Group. Um, and I Is was that like, what it's you know, called? Yeah, TRT and hormone optimization. Okay, we'll we'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, the, and that's the YouTube channel. And so we've been in this group for a few years, answering questions and having discussions, and and we have a separate like moderator chat. And I was like, you know what? It would be really cool if we did an event in person, so we could all meet each other, so the guys in the group can meet you guys, because a lot of them work with the practitioners in the group. So I was like, let's do this, and this was a discussion last winter. So pretty much started planning this this year, February, got the guys that are the main moderators to speak, a urologist, NPs, um, people like me who are fitness pros, but just happen to know a lot of stuff. And I created what is called the Silverback Summit because my logo is a silverback gorilla. Um, and it was a men's health only event. 
And over the course of three days, we had lectures from all the speakers regarding the taboo topics in TRT land, meaning heart attacks, prostate cancer, the social stigmas, man boobs, the war on masculinity, uh, fitness stuff, and basically what is TRT? How does it work? So it was a mix of, you know, general pop, um, practitioners and fitness professionals. And the biggest thing that I got from that was the fact that everyone created like their own community. Cause if you put 40 dudes in a room, you're not sure anyone's going to talk to each other or mm-hmm. hang out. These guys, myself included, I stayed up past midnight every night, just hanging out with everybody. And we just talked and it was the coolest thing. And the friendships that were created there they last outside of me on the internet. Like everyone just hangs out, you know, and talks to each other and tags each other and stuff. Cause they met at silverback and a lot of guys gained clarity as to what their practitioner might be doing wrong. And were able to find a new practitioner or, or understand what they should be asking and stuff like that. So it's three days of that and finding out really what the truth is. I had a cardiologist as well, who talked about, you know, how you really don't have to worry about, uh, good or bad cholesterol, which is mind blowing. So everything that you think is right is actually wrong. And that's what you learn at Silverback. (laughs) Um, But it was a lot of fun for me to put together because I love doing that stuff. So we're doing our next one in the New York City metro area in the second week of June. And they can go to silverbacksummit.com to find out all the details or to purchase this year's recordings, which are for sale. And we are doing a pre-sale if you want to buy a ticket for next year, it's $100 towards your ticket price. I don't know the Sweet. final ticket price, right. but if the date does not work for you or whatever, you'll be refunded. So, Love it. Uh, so make sure you guys go check that out. Anywhere else that people should be following you? On the IG at the Allie Gilbert. Slide in the DMs. They are always open. Perfect. So there you have it, guys. If you have any questions and 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 gals, um, for your guys, if you have questions uh, around, uh, you know, TRT in general, or gals, if you have questions around just how to be jacked and tan like Allie, then uh, please do slide into her DMs. And um, well, there we have it. Allie, always a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, thank you for bringing the fire as always, and for everything that you're doing for our community and for the state of fitness and health. It's very much needed. And I applaud you on continuing to be the best in the industry. So thanks again. Thank you, Ben. It was a pleasure. Talk soon. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you in your nutrition journey for free. One, grab a free copy of my Fat Loss Fix Guide at fatlossfixguide.com. Two, join my free group at smartnutritionmadesimple.com. Three, subscribe to my YouTube channel at smartnutritionmadesimpletv.com. Four, leave a five-star rating and positive review so that we can gain access to more nutrition experts ready to share their knowledge with you and ultimately help more people make smart nutrition simple. 